0: Welcome to the RunFit365.com podcast. This is the real episode 15. Booyah! Welcome back to the RunFit365.com podcast. I'm your host, Travis Lozier, and as always, joined by Coach Dan Cusin. Dan, how's it going this morning? Great, it's an awesome morning. It is an awesome morning, except for um, you know this training plan that I'm following um, had me do a, a 90 minute long run, which was the longest run I've done in probably months. So um, during that run, I was co- and, you know cursing at the coach that put that plan together. You don't know who might that be, do you? No, but it sounds like he's a mean guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he knows he knows what he's doing, so I'm going to trust the plan and stick with it you know a couple um, I forgot to mention this on the last uh, episode but um, we got feedback on the, the music that we played during the beginning of the podcast and I think someone said that um, you know the podcasts are great minus the, the intro music so you <laughs> You have to admit, Lozier is pretty cheesy. Oh yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. Um, that that's uh, the cheesiest music that we could find. So, um, we'll, we'll keep monitoring the social media buzz on our intro music, and if we have to, um, we'll get something a little bit more. Um, our pace, whatever that might mean or look <laughs> like. So, um, got a great show lined up for episode fifteen here. Um, Dan, I know you've been busy. One of the things um, that you wanted to talk about today was um, some of the things that you can do to become a faster runner, more specifically, um, you want to talk about seven specific topics to help you become a faster runner. And I know, um, you know, no matter where you are on the spectrum, if you're just starting or um, you've been an avid runner your whole life, you're always kind of looking at, you know, looking for ways to improve your speed. So really looking forward to kind of your discussion on those seven things that can help, uh, make you a faster runner. And then, um, we'll close our episode by doing a random runner's world again. Awesome. Cool. So let's just jump right in. Um, so I'm anxious to hear some of your thoughts on, um, how to become a faster runner. And I know that you've came up with seven specific topics. So let's just jump right in and um, we'll have dialogue throughout the way. So what are some of the things, Dan, from your perspective, um, that we can do as runners to become faster? Sure, yeah, and
1: there's probably more than seven. I wrote down seven. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned runners of, of you know, every experience level. And uh, basically I wanted to point out that it's important that you don't go and do workouts that aren't appropriate for your level. And that's why, you know, if you get a training plan either through us or from another coach, it should lead you through what is appropriate for you at that time. So when we go over some of these things, I'm not saying everybody should do these things. These are things that can improve a runner. Um, but make sure it's appropriate for you and and a training plan should point that out and and lead you through that. But I basically put together seven things. um, and we'll just we'll just go through them.
0: Let's do it. And the, fir-
1: the first one we've kind of covered in a podcast before, maybe not to the right level of detail, but uh, essentially it's improving your efficiency and form, your your running form. If you if you are um, basically working against yourself, let's say you're a heel striker and you're hitting your heel hard and propelling yourself instead of just forward, you're propelling yourself up. Um, you're wasting energy, you're wasting motion, you're, you're wasting uh, muscle um, use, that sort of thing. So one of the first things you can do is work on your running form to, to improve your efficiency. And what that does is it keeps you utilizing your energy systems in an efficient way, reducing your risk for injury, using the elasticity of your uh, soft tissues and body to propel you forward. So it's kind of a no-brainer. And and maybe we could spend more time on the podcast going into the details of that, but it's one of the first things you can do to to make yourself a faster runner.
0: Very good.
1: Number two, and this is sort of a no-brainer as well, but easier said than done, is losing weight. And I mean, it's a no-brainer because if you weigh less, there's less to carry. There's uh, makes every component of your um, body more efficient. And, um, I mean, it's very simple. It's not a simple task, but it's a simple concept. Um, and in one of our other podcasts, we talked about some ways you can lose some weight. So I won't go into a lot of detail because some of these other ones I'm going to talk about in more detail. So number two is lose weight. Any questions about that, drives?
0: Well, there's just a balance too. I, I mean, when I'm thinking about kind of, I'm in cycle for my, you know, marathon training plan. And that's one of my kind of, you know, objectives to help me prepare for race day is losing weight. But there's a smart way to do that too. You don't want to, um, essentially sub optimize your training by not getting the proper nutrition. And I think there's probably some guidelines out there around kind of your calorie deficit based on mm-hmm. kind of where you are in your training phases. So, um, but you're right. You could we could probably spend um, you know a series of podcasts on kind of the right way to lose weight. But I, you know, when you were talking about that, there's you know there's absolutely a smart way to do that where you're still you know giving your body the right kinds of fuel um, and able to train in a smart way. And, and, well, just
1: just like there's periodization for training, there's periodization for nutrition, and maybe we should spend. A podcast talking specifically about that because it is an important concept. Um, as you are going through specific training phases, the the nutrition that you should focus on is different, and, and that in and of itself sometimes is a good way to lose weight.
0: Yeah, very good.
1: <clears throat> okay, number three. <clears throat> Excuse me. We talked a little bit about this last week. Um, aerobic training. So it seems it may seem a little contradictive that. Aerobic training or building your base will help build speed, but kind of like what we talked about last week, <clears throat> when you do aerobic training, your heart, your pump is becoming more efficient. The amount of blood it can it can pump out per beat is more. It becomes more efficient. Um, you develop your blood vessels. You, we talked about mitochondrial density, more mitochondria per cell, which is what helps... Uh, Break, basically, use your aerobic um, energy system. <clears throat> your uh, muscles remove waste better if you train that system, and it it trains your body to use your oxidative or your uh, oxygen-using energy system, um, which is a good thing because you've got you know we've all got an unlimited supply of fat like we talked about, and essentially, if you train that, then your body becomes more efficient at it and and the theory is that the more you run, the better you'll be able to utilize that energy system. So aerobic training is really building the base so that you could do other workouts, faster workouts um, and and really important
0: yeah. And that was so hard for you know as a young runner trying to get that <clears throat> concept because you know when you when you're run, young you're like, you know, I want every workout to be as fast and essentially all out um, as my body will let me go. And it really took some time to realize that you do need to build that aerobic capacity um, to essentially build your engine. So that that's a great one, Dan. Awesome. Speaking of building
1: your engine, it was a say quick We didn't plan that. Um, strength training. So strength training comes in different forms, and really, you are. If you think about a car, um, the bigger the engine, the the stronger the car. So, if, so using that car sort of methodology, um, your strength training is going to build a stronger engine. We talked about losing weight. That's basically like you know taking off the bumpers or so, you know taking off extra weight so that that engine is even more efficient. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Essentially what you're doing with strength training is simple. You're building your muscles. More muscles uh, mean more efficiency in your running and really doing strength training can build speed. Um, We talk about about sort of muscular endurance, how how your muscles uh, sort of react to training. They don't get as exhausted if you train your muscles. Um, So easy ways to do this. I always for the most part, I prefer doing sports-specific training. So to build strength as a runner, um, a good, easy way to do that is to do hills, uh, hill repeats. So you go and you find a moderate-sized hill, something with a, you know, it, it, there's really no easy I mean, they, they talk about grades, like a 4% grade or a 3% grade, um, but really just find a hill. Everybody knows what the hill looks like. And that's where you do repeats, where you run up the hill at around your 5 or 10K pace, and then you recover by jogging or walking down and and kind of do those repeats. So that's a good, easy way to do running-specific strength training. Um, But also, you know, a lot of people prefer to do um, strength training in, um, you know, like the gym sort of atmosphere. And again, we've talked about this in the past. I prefer exercises that utilize multiple muscle groups, um, exercises that reinforce natural body movements. So a squat is great, uh, lunges, calf extensions, the core work we talked about. Um, so any of those things can help build your engine all stronger, which will be better for your efficiency and work for you there.
0: I know we've talked about this in the past, Dan. <clears throat> How, where do you categorize kind of tempo runs to set – and those have always kind of been a cloudy spot for me because it seems like it helps build strength too, but it's also helping you in that kind of preparation phase and kind of on into the peak phase where we talked last week. Can that, can it toggle the line? Can it, you know, go back and forth or what's your thoughts on tempos? Yeah, tempo, we're going
1: to get to, that's number six. But to your point, just because of workout, I mean, let's take uh, health repeats, you are Doing a lot of focus on your strength, but you're also working uh, your lactate threshold. You're working your VO2 max. Every single run, every single run focuses on many aspects of your system. Um, Not just your lactate threshold, VO2 max, aerobic, um, but also your energy systems. We've got basically three energy systems where we get energy from. And, and you can't just say, I'm going to go, oh, do a VO2 max repeat and just run VO2 max. Yeah. You have to build up to that, and, and you spend a certain period of time in that zone, but, um, and, and that's an accumulative thing. So I like that you just asked that question because a Temple run <clears throat> serves multiple purposes, really. The, um the primary objective we'll get to in just a minute but a secondary object objective is it, it can help build your strength
0: strength okay um, perfect and and the other thing about strength too is some of these things um, you know to build core strength and we've talked about this on previous podcasts you can do this in your living room at home kind of in between commercials of TVs right I mean we're not talking about um, You know, going to the gym or buying a gym membership. Some of the strength training you need as a runner um, really focuses on your core, and um, you know, you don't need a ton of equipment to do that type of work. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why
1: I like the um, the movements that support multiple muscle systems, because those movements are typically things you don't need a machine for. Machines are great for isolating a specific muscle or even specific muscle group, Um, whereas you know, a squat. A squat is good because it, it, you know, a squat is something you might do if you're not a runner. Yeah. A lunge is something you might do if you're not a runner. A calf extension, if you're reaching for something high in the cabinet, those are all things that you use in real life. Yeah. And so those are the things we need to, to utilize in my opinion, to give us the best bang for our buck. So yeah, you could do that in front of the TV easily. Yeah. Okay. So number five, and, um, I put VO2 max training as number five, and there's kind of a reason for that. It's, it's a little bit faster than, say, a tempo run, but um, <clears throat> just kind of getting a little bit into detail of VO2 max training. VO2 max training is like tuning your engine. That, And, and I'll just kind of give an overview of, of what I would call VO2 max. It's basically the maximum volume of oxygen that your body can actually use. So when you breathe, Um, You know, the the atmosphere has so much oxygen in it. It comes in your body and goes to your pulmonary system. And the ability for you to use as much oxygen as you can is basically gives you the ability to be more efficient and um, go faster, essentially. The the thing about this is, and there's some coaches that say, don't train this. This is, you're not going to get big gains here. And that is true. Most of your VO2 max is based on your genetics, your your gender, your age. Uh, It changes as you get older, that sort of thing. But even though you can't make huge improvements, you can sort of tweak it, make it better, and it's still a really important thing because essentially the the bigger your VO2 max, um, the, the more your lactate threshold, which we'll talk about in a minute, can be improved. So let's say, let's take you me, Travis, your VO2 max very likely is much higher than mine. But if you, um, if you had a, even though you had a, a very big VO2 max, you had a really big engine and I had a smaller VO2 max, if I had trained my lactate threshold to its highest and you hadn't done that, um, I might still do better in a race than you. Yeah. So think of VO2 max as your total potential. And then we'll talk about lactate threshold in a minute, which is what you can train a significant amount um, and, and be able to, to utilize that. So um, we won't get into a lot into VO2 max in that, um, you know, talk a little bit about some of the workouts. This is one that you shouldn't just do if you don't have the, uh, the right base, the, the right running experience. And so this is not in all of our training plans on a, on a purpose level. Um, the only really good way to measure your VO2max is to go to a lab. Um, that's not really you know, something most of us can do. So if you do have VO2max training in your um, regimen, it's typically a one-to-one work-to-rest cycle. So let's say you run three minutes at VO2max, you rest for three minutes. And that's really important because you don't want to accumulate too much and it takes you know if you do a three minute VO2 max pace um, exercise or workout, um, you're not at VO2 max for that entire three minutes. It takes you a minute. It takes you I think around two minutes to get up to your VO2 max pace. So if you do a three minute work session, you're probably going to be about one minute at VO2 max. And so then you do your three minutes of recovery. And you do that repeat again. So that one minute that you had in the first set, the one minute you have in the second set, those all accumulate to being time at your VO2 max, and will again not give you huge gains in your VO2 max potential, but will tweak that and give you make sure that you have every um, everything you can possibly do. The pace that you do is generally about a one to two mile pace. So if you went out and ran your fastest mile or two miles, that's about the pace that you run at. Any questions on that, Travis?
0: No, that was a very good segment on VO2max because it's always been, um, you know, that's a confusing topic to a lot of people. um, And I thought you just did a perfect job describing that in just a couple minutes. Um, But I'm not surprised you're always prepared for these podcasts (laughs)
1: I was up way too late trying to write my thoughts down. I'm
0: not surprised. No, but that that's perfect. But you know, almost on any one of these topics that you've touched on so far, um, you know, you could dive so much deeper in these. But but that VO2 max was just well done, perfect.
1: So let's talk about lactate threshold because this is one that most people can improve significantly, and especially for uh, a long endurance race. This is the one that's going to help probably the most. So you've already trained, let's say we're training our VO2 max, um, or we have a big VO2 max or whatever. So your lactate threshold, and I'll try to explain this the best way I can. Um, When you do um, faster workouts, something that's, it's harder running, it's in your anaerobic uh, ranges. In other words, your body doesn't use oxygen um, to break down, to create your energy, it it creates energy without oxygen. And when you do that, um, you have a byproduct called lactate or lactic acid. Uh, a lot of times people hear the word lactic acid and they think, oh, well, that's bad stuff, makes your muscles sore, etc." And that's not really true. I and mean, there's a lot more information out there now to talk about what lactate does. And in fact, when you do have lactic acid after a run, um, not only do you utilize that to create more energy during your run, but you also um, it helps create uh, energy for later use after your run. So, in the form of glycogen and that sort of thing. So, lactic acid is not a bad thing, but it is a uh, byproduct of harder running. And so, you asked about the tempo run. Um, the tempo run is really the focus of training your lactate threshold so it's you could also notice that a threshold run and think about it this way when you well, let's think about a, a bathroom sink you turn on the water at a, a moderate level and you have the uh i don't know what's the, the plunger thing where it lets the water out say you have it halfway and as, it, as you sit there and watch the water in the sink it's at a level it, it doesn't it doesn't go up, it doesn't go down, because the amount of water that's going in the sink and versus the water that's going out of the sink and draining is the same. <clears throat> Think of that as basically your lactate threshold. As you do harder running and lactic acid is accumulating in your bloodstream, um, we have processes that takes care of that lactate, processes through it, and clears it out of your system and use, utilizes it. So as you're doing easy running, um, it's like the drain is wide open and the water is just kind of dripping. It just can't accumulate at all. As we get harder, we do harder running. Think of the the faucet as being higher, so the the faucet's going faster. And the water is draining out of the sink um, and keeping constant until we get to the point where our lactate threshold occurs. And at that point in time, the um, it, it basically it's caught talking about the threshold that your body can stand and able to enable uh, the removal of that lactic acid. So now you're looking at the sink. The water is remaining level. It's not draining faster than it can come in, but it's also not accumulating uh, faster than we can take care of it. That's your, your lactic threshold. And then if you ran even harder than that, that's when the faucet becomes little wider open and then you start to see that sink fill with water and that's that lactic acid accumulating in your bloodstream. So you might wonder why is that important? And, and the thing here is if you train that system, if you train just under your lactate threshold, so the tempo runs or threshold runs, um, either, uh, you know, 20 minutes at a time or repeats of that, what that does is it Gets your body in the state where you're accumulating lactic acid um, in your bloodstream, and you're clearing that out of your system. And if you practice those things, your body becomes better at removing those things. So let's say we start out our training in January, and our lactic—I'm um, not going to be able to put a number to it—but our lactate threshold is at one level at our at a pace. So let's say our lactic thresh our lactate threshold is when we're running at an eight and a half minute mile. Um, so that means if you ran an eight and a half minute mile, the uh, lactic acid in your bloodstream is accumulating at the same rate that it's getting rid of. And if you ran any faster than an eight and a half minute mile, then, um, then you're gonna start feeling the effects of uh, basically getting tired at that point if, if you run faster than that. So if you train that system over time, you can have really big benefits in that Let's say a month or two later, after doing tempo runs, um, your body has become better at removing the lactic acid and gotten better at then um, you know, dealing with that uh, stamina issue. You won't get as tired. So now, when you run uh, at the level to where your lactic acid is being cleared at the same rate to so your lactate threshold, it might be an eight minute mile. And why that's important is that means you can run faster um, than you could before without accumulating too much lactic acid. Before I move any – talk any more about that, Travis, does that make sense? Do you have any questions to maybe clarify for people listening?
0: No, I thought that made perfect sense because it's a hard topic to understand. Um, but I thought your analogy of the sink and the, you know, if you envision that lactic acid going down the drain versus kind of, you know, as you're increasing your effort intensity in your workout, that's represented by the faucet. Um, and when that's equal, that's kind of your threshold. And, and in your example, you know, that's eight thirty. But over time, you want to be able to maintain a faster pace for longer periods of time, and that's why understanding you know this lactate threshold and you know how your body processes lactic acid is so important because essentially as you kind of can you know as your body gets more efficient at doing this, um, that's how you run faster longer. Exactly, that's exactly right. You said it. The, the summary of that is you can run faster longer.
1: Yeah. If you think about a 10k, and, and most of us can run about an hour. 55 minutes and an hour at our lactate threshold and be able to tolerate that. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, that's a 10K. And so let's say you run a 10K at the beginning of the season, you run an eight and a half minute mile, and then you do a 10K later in the season, you can run an eight minute mile. Yeah. 30 seconds per mile is really significant. So it's huge. It, yeah. yeah, I mean, that, that, buys you a lot of speed. It buys you a lot of, um, uh, basically it's something that you can train that will give you pretty big returns, big dividends. Yeah. Um, again, if you want to know your specific lactate threshold, that really takes a lab environment, and most of us can't do that. So you can do, if, if you're interested in doing lactic uh, lactate threshold workouts, and again, this is not in every training plan, so make sure this is appropriate for you. Make sure that the training plan you're using, whether it's ours or somebody else's, is appropriate for level your level. It'll introduce uh, um, tempo runs if it's appropriate for you, but essentially you can do a 30-minute time trial, and this will be a decent estimate of where your lactate threshold is. And essentially, what that is is you go out on a track after a, a good 15-minute warm-up of easy running, progressively fa- faster. Um, you have a, a, a heart rate monitor on your wrist. And you, have a, and you basically go out for a 30-minute run. And the key about this is you don't want to go out and, and go really fast and then over the 30 minutes slow down because really what you're looking for is an even keel. If you could, let's give an example. If you start out at a 7-minute mile and at the end you're running a 9-minute mile, you may not get the right number for you. Um, but if you start out an eight-and-a-half-minute mile and finish it at 845, that's probably pretty good. So you start the stopwatch, and then you run for 30 minutes, and after the first 10 minutes, you hit your lap button and let the last 20 minutes just go. And essentially, the theory is the, last, the average heart rate for the last 20 minutes of your run should be relatively close to your, lactic, uh, threshold, your lactate threshold heart rate. And then you can use that as a guide to help you train um, in your for your tempo runs, essentially. Very good. So Very good. that's lactate threshold. And then finally, number seven is training your power system. And there's different ways you can do this. And Travis and I were just talking before this. Um, we could probably do a whole episode on plyometrics. Plyometrics are movements that you can do that really help um, – generate or create explosive movements and um, improve your power, which can help improve your speed and your economy and, um, and your uh, efficiencies. So I won't go into a lot of detail because I, I think we probably will at some point spend um, a whole episode on plyometrics. But some good examples of plyometrics are like a box jump. Have a, um, a good steady box in front of you. It's not terribly hard to jump up onto. And basically, use your explosive power to jump up onto that box and then get down and do repeats. Um, Rocket jumps. And those are basically where you uh, get down into sort of a squatting position, you jump as high as you can and push your arms, your hands up high. So try to touch the ceiling, sort of thing. Uh, Split squats, where you basically um, go from a lunge position where you're like you're lunging on the, on the, on the right side and then jump up and then switch so you're lunging on the, on the left side and do those repeats. Um, doing skipping. Skipping, but propelling yourself into the air like high skipping. So all those things, like a long jump, you see a lot of Olympic track and field um, movements are uh, plyometric or, or power explosive in nature. And all those things can help develop your speed as well. So... That's basically the end of those seven. Are there any things that I can clarify further?
0: No, but let me see if I've got these seven, and you can jump in and kind of catch me if I miss something. I tried to take notes. So um, I've got good form, losing weight, building a base, strength, focusing on VO2 max, understanding your lactate threshold, and then plyometrics. Mm Those yeah. were the seven things that you went over, Dan, really nicely. Um, and if you focused on these things as a runner, you could become, you know, faster, more efficient, um, you know, and finish faster, whatever your next race is. So, Absolutely. You, you nailed them. And um, there probably
1: are more. I mean, I know there are more things you could do to become a faster runner, but I think these give you the best bang for your buck.
0: Very good. So. Um, I just jotted down that for future podcast, we can go into a little bit more details on um, plyometrics um, and essentially any one of these, Dan, we could probably spend a whole 30 minutes on. So we'll just um, stay tuned for future podcasts um, and let us know specifically if you want Dan to go into more details on any one of these seven, just drop us an email at support at runfit365.com. Um, you know, Dan, you did a great job specifically talking about VO2 max and lactate threshold. Those are, those are just really tough topics to, um, understand, especially if you're a new runner. Um, and those analogies that you provided were benefit, you know, beneficial, I believe. So if you're listening and you want more details on any one of those seven topics, again, just drop us an email. Um, we'll be happy to cover those in a future podcast, but specifically look for Plyo's um, in an episode coming soon Dan is always great job I, I mean your preparation for these is just phenomenal um, so I hope you didn't stay up too late last night getting ready for I did I did <laughs> yeah well um, awesome well let's shift gears a little bit and um, you know we always try to be respectful of listeners time and try to keep these close to 30 minutes so we're right there. But I thought we could spend maybe a couple minutes at least just doing a random runner's world. So um, I'm just bound and determined to get you one day, Dan. (laughs) So this is from April 2013. It's a runner's world. Um, It's called the Weight Loss Special. Mm. And uh, I flip to page 40 here. Um, and this is the Ask the Experts Personal Best. Um, and I'll just, Dan, I'll just read these three questions and let's just pick one and focus in on it. Um, this is the question If my legs are sore, should I skip a planned easy run? So that's if my legs are sore, should I skip a planned easy run? Um, how should I change my form when running uphill? That's another question. And then, is there anything I can do to get uh, not get so hot when I'm running on the treadmill? Is there anything there, Dan, that you want to focus on? Wow.
1: Yeah, I would love to focus on all three. But just a quick one, because this can help a lot with hills. Yeah. Um, essentially, no matter where you're running, make sure that um, your feet are underneath your hips. So if you're running uphill, if your feet are underneath your hips, uh, you're, in a good, you're in a good spot. And usually what that feels like is leaning forward a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so that's the easy answer for that.
0: Yeah, it's spot on because it says um, modifying your form will help you run quicker and more comfortably up any incline. Lean slightly into the hill from the hips and take short, quick, four foot landing steps for a more efficient stride. So um, really good advice there, at least based on the experts at Runner's World. Dan, you're, you're right up there. Um, talk easy. about... Talk about if you're sore, should I skip a run? So,
1: excuse me, I think it depends on your, your level of um, you know, where you're at. A, a lot of times an easy run, um, a short easy run specifically, and this is mostly for people that run a lot, but even for anybody, you can walk for 20 minutes, but essentially if you're sore, it's probably better instead of doing nothing to do some activity a walk for 20 minutes, a light like, jog for 20 minutes, because what that does is it helps your bloodstream, it helps your body by using your bloodstream to go into the cells and, and remove some of that waste, um, I think it's hydrogen that's kind of stored up, that basically um, is causing that soreness, and there could also be micro tears in your muscles, so, but any of that will force the blood into the cells and help remove some of that stuff and, and start the healing process.
0: Yeah, and I just quickly scanned the response here, and it it did say sometimes a short, super slow run may help uh, dissipate any kind of mild soreness, Um, but it does go on to say if you're in extreme discomfort, consider cross-training or just taking the day off or walking.
1: It's not going to hurt to take the day off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's just go after all three here. Is there anything I can do not to get so hot when running on a treadmill? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was gonna mention um, and Dan's a response fan. was to run outside. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that's exactly. It. You run outside, but um, you know, put a fan in front of it or the, to the side. Um, you can uh, just, I mean, dress lightly. If you have a basement, that's usually a cooler place. I mean, I don't know what else other tips they have, but those are the things I could think of. Yeah. <laughs> put a wet rag on your neck. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I. <laughs> I, I promise to the listeners, you and I, I mean, we do not prep for this, but <laughs> it's funny of how spot on you've been on these, all three of these. It says, get a small handheld fan and stick it in the cup holder or, or get a larger fan. Um, you can also try wearing a net cooler, <laughs> which <is> why, <laughs> that's why I started laughing. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Um, then it just goes on to say, you know, drink plenty of f- floats when you're on the treadmill. Um, oh, yeah. yeah but, um, Again, three for three, Cusin. I'm going to get you one day. Maybe I need to – I don't know what I need to do. I'm just going to give up.
1: No, flip into an ads page or something. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) That's my only hope. That's my only hope. (laughs) All right, Dan. Well, thanks again. This was a great episode. So we covered the seven things to help you become a faster runner and then we covered in the random runner's world, um, you know – a few topics on, you know, how to change form when running up the hill, um, how to stay cool on the treadmill, and um, what was the third topic? They already closed the magazine here. Um,
1: hill, tre- uh, treadmill, um, oh,
0: running or doing activity when you're sore. Oh, sore. Yep. yep. Perfect. Um, anything before we close? No, I
1: don't think so. Uh just happy training, you know. Keep oh,
0: doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um again, thanks for listening. Um, stay tuned to Runfit three sixty five. We're publishing blogs and um keeping the site up to date. This podcast and um you can find the others that we've referenced today on our website, um, along with iTunes. Um and keep following us on social media. Again, we've got Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram. That's um some of the best ways to stay in contact with us um so just to echo what dan said thanks again for listening and happy training thank you